Luke chapter 6. Before we start, short introduction. Have you ever wished to yourself, don't you just wish everyone would start doing what Jesus says? I, I hate to open this up to comment, but uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try. Do you have any people groups that are around the world today, right now, that you go, I just wish they would start doing what Jesus says? Oh, come on, name some. Everybody? Certain political parties? All political parties. I was going to grab a mic for somebody to drop. Um, the government in general. Uh, how about some of your neighbors? You got neighbors, you go, I just wish they'd start doing what Jesus says. Uh, yeah. Coworkers, family members. I heard amen from my mom-in-law. How about the how about the townsfolk? You ever drive around Danville and go, this town needs Jesus. I love that. I love that shirt somebody has. Charity used to have a sign that said it in her office that says, Y'all need Jesus. That's what in a, I've seen that on a t-shirt before. So the real question, though, I want to ask is, what about you? Do you really want to do what Jesus says? Seriously? I mean, you can look around all those other groups out there and go, I wish they'd start doing what Jesus says. I wish they'd start. What do you, let's, okay, let's just start with you then. The reason why I say this is because this particular sermon that Luke has recorded for us, Jesus jumps from those beatitudes into, let's talk about what you need to do. I'm going to share a quote from a commentator to get it started. Uh, I love this. This is a great summary. So to keep the summary compact, I'm going to use his quote here. Uh, Philip Ryken, he says, Jesus pronounced four blessings on his apostles and on everyone who would suffer for his sake. They would have to endure poverty, hunger, sorrow, and persecution. But in their suffering, they would know his blessing. I love that. That's a great summary of what's been being said so far. Jesus also pronounced four woes. Against self-satisfied people who were living for the pleasures of the moment and thought they could do without God. According to Jesus, therefore, there are two kinds of people. People who suffer for his sake and have his blessing. People who live for themselves and will come to an unhappy end. Read that part again. I think that's a great summary of what we've, what we've read so far. These, these last few sermons talking about these Luke Beatitudes... According to Jesus, therefore, there are two kinds of people. You ever heard a, a speaker get up and say that? There's two kinds of people in the world. That's basically what Jesus did. Two kinds of people. People who suffer for his sake and have his blessing, and people who live for themselves and will come to an unhappy end. So where he goes now, Philip Reichen, I think, grabs really well. How should the first group, the ones who suffer for the sake of his name, relate to the second group? In other words, how should the true disciples of Jesus Christ respond to people who persecute them? How do we live, as I called it last week, when this reprieve is over? And the natural state of our world is going to call for an end of the reprieve from suffering. If you, didn't, if you weren't here last week, I've had like six people say, not Matt, that was great. They went, Matt, that was terrible. <laughs> that was hard to listen to. Seriously, like six people completely separate from each other. That was really hard to listen to. Um, I'm borrowing my title for this next chunk from a man named Francis Schaefer. 
Uh, he wrote a book, How Should We Then Live? Um, I, I, I'd play the videos and stuff for you at some point. I've thought about doing that, but I, you got some of you wouldn't be able to get past the knickers that he's wearing. He's like in Switzerland, and he's got like socks that come up to here. He's, got the, he's a funny, interesting individual. Um, but I love his title, so I'm stealing his title for my title slide is How Should We Then Live? How, th- this is what we're doing right now. How, which way do we go? How do we live? How do we navigate this world? How should we then live? Jesus starts this section off with a statement. But I say to you who hear, and before I go much further, I'm going to say something about this, then we're going to pray. This, I say to you who hear, the way that this is constructed has an emphasis on do, not just hear, but do. Those of you really hearing are the ones that are going to do something about what you hear. And that's what Jesus says. But now, so he, he gets through these Beatitudes, then he turns, and I just, I could just feel it looking at his disciples, like, how should you then live? How do we live in this world? I think you're going to find that Jesus' teachings are very clear and not all that complicated. You may not like it, but I think you're going to see this is pretty direct, what he teaches next. So I'm going to pray that we'll be the type of people that hear, really hear, take it to heart, and are ready to do. Because as much as we look at those groups out there and we say, I wish they'd start doing what Jesus says, let's just start with us. Let's start doing what Jesus says. Heavenly Father, I want to ask now that you would help me today to be very direct to your word and and focused in on just what you teach today. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be a people that are ready to take it to heart and therefore act on what we hear on these teachings, true disciples of Christ. In Christ's name I ask this, amen. So the passage we're in, Jesus says, I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. That first part there, love your enemies. A couple quotes here. This is, the, this is the one that's setting it all off here, okay? So we're going to unpack all this a little bit, but this sets it all off. There are several words. Leon Morris writes this. There are several words for love in Greek, which I personally think would be helpful. If we didn't just have one word. Because when I tell my wife, I love you, it doesn't mean the same thing as when I go, man, I love french fries. Right? I mean, there, there's a difference. We got one word, and so it gets convoluted. They had, different, they had four different words that we know specifically for love. You've heard these before, most likely. Jesus was not asking for storge, natural affection, nor for eros, romantic love, nor for philea, the love of friendship, that brotherly love. He was speaking of agape, which means love even of the unworthy. Love which is not drawn out by merit in the beloved, but which proceeds from the fact that the lover chooses to be a loving person. So there's this love that says, I'm loving this person. Nothing to do with the person I'm loving. See, there's sometimes you, you love because of the, it stirs in you to love, doesn't it? But, but this particular word means it's love by choice. I'm going to love. Regardless of whether there's anything lovable there or anything lovely there. 
Philip Ryken continues this comment. He says, agape is different from all other loves. Unlike storge, it's unnatural. Storge is natural love. Unnatural. It comes only by the supernatural work of God, the Holy Spirit. Unlike eros, agape is not romantic. It is not the kind of love that anyone ever falls into. Although I don't think anybody really falls into anyway. Um, rather, he says, it is the kind of love the disciples choose as a part of their obedience to Christ. And unlike philea, brotherly love, agape, is not for friends only. It is also for enemies. Jesus called his disciples to show a deliberate affection that was not based on what people deserved, but on the grace of God. Pretty clear. For enemies? I mean, this is what we're talking about, right? How do we live? Enemies, what are we, what are we supposed to do? Love. Okay, so I'm going to say, for enemies, and you're going to answer, love. Okay? So what are we supposed to do for enemies? Pretty clear, isn't it? Any, any questions about that? Okay, let's break it down a little. Let's see how Jesus expands on this. Just in case there's any confusion about what, that, what does that look like. Okay? What does that look like? What does it actually look like in different situations? And I think that's what Jesus does next. Okay, so if you're confused... Love your enemies. Do good to the haters. Right? For the haters, what are we supposed to do? Do good. I'm going to say for the haters, and you say do good. For the haters, do good. There's action. You're doing good. They hate me. Do good. I, I'm going to ask you to notice as we go through these, there's going to be a progression of how the behavior listed right now is just in the heart of your enemy. They hate you. You're going to see like an outward progression of what the enemy's doing. And it's going to be a weird kind of um, almost like not a retreat, but like a, a different way of handling each situation. I think you're going to see kind of a, okay, we're going to go like this. But when they're just hating, you're, you're, you're doing good. You know that person, you got anybody that hates you? Some of you go, no, everybody loves me. I used to say that. I used to go, man, everybody loves Matt. I'm so lovable. <laughs> Who didn't love me? I'm like, I, I'm harmless. Come on. Oh, was that too sad? This last year, as many of you know, I've had some people that just, frankly, they hate me just because I'm a Christian. They hate me. I've not done anything to them directly, but just because they know I'm a Christian and a pastor, they hate my guts. That's hard. I don't like that. What am I supposed to do? Love them. And specifically in this, do good. Do good. What if they did evil things to you? Paul says, beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. Now, I'm throwing this one in here because... Because there, there's, there's a certain element where there's a trust element of God when you start taking the... And you're going to see a couple examples of this as we go through. There's a trust element of God as we choose to do good. I'm leaving it. There's a judge of the universe, and there's going to be a judgment at the end of time. And I'm leaving all that kind of stuff for then, not now. I've got a different job now. I'm a disciple. Beloved, don't avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, in the, even the Old Testament, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. I love bringing this one up to the people that want to pay back somebody. I go, do you realize what you're doing? 
You're, when, when, you, when you go, they did this to me, so I'm going to do this to them to set things straight, do you realize what you actually did? You just took something that God says, that's mine, and you said, no, I want to take it. But God says, that's mine. I do that, not you. And when you try to even the score, what you're really saying is, God, you suck at this, and I'm going to do it for you. Do you really want to go that route? <laughs> On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. An actual enemy. Feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. You go, oh, I like the sound of that. <laughs> Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I love the pure simplicity of this passage. You can't, if, if you repay evil for evil, then you're just evil too. The only way that evil can be defeated is what? Good. Don't. You can't defeat evil with evil. You can only defeat evil with good. Very aggressive passage this is. Do not be overcome. Overcome. The military might that we're going to use is the might of good. So much more I could say about this. Um, by the way, this doesn't mean we don't report crime to authorities. That's not what this is about. I need to throw that in there. In fact, the very next verse after this is Romans 13, um, 1, which says, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever exists, the authorities resist what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. And so the reality is, this ties in. This, doesn't, this loving your enemies doesn't mean if somebody breaks into your house and steals your stuff that you go, Oh, I'm just going to let them have it. No. You call the police. That's what they're there for. And Officer Bill, come take care of him if you're in Covington. And we don't ask how he does it. He just does it. Strong arm of the law. But don't forget here, for the haters, for the enemies love, for the haters do good. Okay? For the enemies, for the haters, do good. Not just haters. What if they start saying stuff to you? Well, I think you're just a dirty, rotten, stupid, blankety, blank, blank, blank. Well, I think you're just... Is it, how are you supposed to respond to that? Some of you, if you're honest, that's exactly how you respond to it. You think, well, I think you're a... Right? Okay, so... Do you remember earlier when I said, don't you wish people would start doing what Jesus said? Okay, so this, this, one, this one is so easy. Now, you have to be careful with it. For the cursors, what are we supposed to give? Blessing. Now, some of you could take this and, and turn your blessing into a curse. I, I, I picture it. Picture it out of my head. Curses you, and you just want to get right over in their face and just say, well, God bless you. <laughs> I don't think that's quite the, the feel that we're going for here. If somehow possible, God could bless you. I don't know. I'm going to pray for it. You might be beyond. What does it mean, though? For the cursors, blessed. For the curse, cursing, not just cussing, but cursing. Hoping for bad and evil to come to you is, is kind of packaged up in this. And Jesus says, very simply, your words in return, you know, even if you're not 
able to do good, your words in return in this case are still going to be words of good for that person. Right? That's hard. I mean, really, really playing it out is just is so difficult to do. Really actually thinking about what that actually looks like. I, I'll give you a, a piece of advice. If you don't, if you're sitting here going, well, I don't know, I don't know if I know how to say a word of blessing in the face of cursing, then just shut up. <laughs> Even a fool is thought wise if he keeps his mouth shut, Proverbs says. If you go, well, I don't know if I know how to do that, shut your mouth. It's easy. Just shut up. If you can't, if you go, I don't know how to say the words of blessing for this person where it will be received like a blessing. Well, they may, you may never be able to get there. You may try, you may do it the best way possible. They're going to hate everything that you say. Sometimes just shut up. But the blessing concept, I think, could at least think about in terms of if it's not right there, but around others. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. Don't revile for the reviling, but on the contrary, bless. This is you, this is, for to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. Be a blessing to get the blessing. That's what I hear in that. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Bluster you when others revile you and persecute and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. I think this is this next little phrase here from Christ and Matthew's Sermon on the Mount captures how we that blessing is a is nothing if nothing else is a rejoicing. I praise the Lord that I've been counted worthy to suffer for the sake of the name. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For the enemies, for the haters, for the cursers. Next, Jesus says this, pray for those that abuse you. For the abusers, it's going to be prayer. It may need to be that way. Philip Ryken says, it seems significant that we are called to pray for our abusers rather than do good to them. Some forms of abuse, especially physical violence, are too dangerous to endure. In such cases, we have a God-given responsibility to protect and preserve life, including our own. We need to be wise in our response to evil. And there are times when loving our enemies, including severe cases within our own families, means praying for them at a safe distance. I think there's some wisdom in that, isn't there? That's why I've already mentioned reporting things to the authorities, unlawful things. Obviously, that's what God has instituted government for. Jesus himself said, when they persecute you one town, to the next and as I mentioned last week does, that means come to Covington <laughs> be the last bastion of hope for us there's at least six or seven accounts in the book of Acts where Paul flees in the night they're coming to get him and the other disciples go we need to get you out of here and they flee in the night there's nothing wrong with that these abusers, sometimes all you can do is pray. 
that you should do it. For enemies, for haters, for the cursers, for the abusers. It's kind of working its way out, isn't it? Hating, cursing, abusing. And then we next we get this, could I call it an age-old classic? People that don't know anything about the Bible have heard this one. The one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. For the strikers, let's say opportunity, and I'll explain. And loving our enemies does contain an element of possible vulnerability. The strike on the cheek is less about physical assault. You have to understand the cultural context. This is less about a physical assault, more about an insult, a physical insult. Uh, the strike on the cheek, I mean, I mean, you just think about it. I mean, punch somebody in the face, that's one thing. But if somebody smacks you on the face, I mean, it's less about the pain you got and more about the insult, isn't it? That's exactly what the thought is here. It's an insult. Strike on the cheek is not the same thing as a burglar breaking into your house to steal your stuff. Obviously, then that would be a case where you call the cops again. Officer Bill, come get them. Right? This turning of the cheek is less about wanting to hit, get hit again. And because this is Edgewood, I need to say this. Turning the other cheek when somebody smacks you does not mean you moon them. Some of you had to think about that for a second. It's Edgewood. Edgewood. I know that I had to say that. Some of you were thinking, oh. If nobody else was thinking it, I knew my father-in-law was thinking it. <laughs> See, I told you. Let me share an interesting thing. Jesus taught this, um, and yet there's a time once he's taken, it says when he said these things, Jesus is talking to them. He's answering some questions uh, right before he goes to the cross, and there's uh, an officer standing by that struck Jesus with his hand. Is that how you answer the high priest? I mean, here's a literal case. Jesus rebukes this guy. That was not a right cause to strike him on the face. And so he says to him, if what I said is wrong, bear witness about the wrong, but if what I said is right, why do you strike me? Calls him on the wrongness of what he's doing. So turning to the cheek could look like this. But notice that it is not retaliation or snark or cursing. Regression, this slap of insult from the strikers, I'm just going to put it this way, opportunity. There's, there's opportunity. You give that person opportunity. They did it once and you go, you know what, I, I think better of you than that. I think this, that was wrong that you should have done that. And, and here's the truth. Some of you strike once, and you're like, I'm not going to give them a chance again. They hurt me. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, um, I'm not going to say this casually, 
there's there's not a there's not going to be a moment by God's grace if any of you at this church ever just keep messing up and keep screwing up again and again and again where I'm just going to go I'm done with you um I hope that I can live those words as a follower of Jesus Christ but I hope that you're like that too where there's never a point where you go, I'm done with them. If anybody, if somebody comes to you even seven times in one day, says, I repent, you're going to give them another chance. His mercies are new every morning. That's the God that we serve. And we're to live out that life. What if they go beyond striking insult and they start taking your stuff? It costs you. Move beyond just a smack to the face, but personal property is being taken. Are you still sure you want to be a follower of Jesus? Are you still sure you want to do what Jesus says and follow his teachings? Are you sure you really want to do that? The key, again, is not retaliating. For the enemies, love. Thank you. Let's try that again. For enemies, for haters, for the cursers, for the abusers, for the strikers, for the takers. Took advantage of me, but I think I see in there a need. Maybe you need more than what you took. That's this crazy talk, isn't it? This is bonkers. Who does this? Followers of Jesus. No. It's insane. This next one is going to be exceptional. You think that one's bad. Listen to this next one. I, this, this next one I'm going to read to you. Uh, as Jesus keeps, he keeps unpacking it a little bit. I'm going to tell you right now. This next one has been a, a challenge mentally for me to try to figure this one out. Most of my adult Christian life. Before I read it out loud, I'm just going to let you read and soak in it for a second. Just take this at face value. Give to everyone who begs from you. I don't know. Some of you may need to grab a Bible and go, is that really in there? Yeah, it's John, uh, Luke uh, 6.30. And from the one who takes away your goods. Now, at first I was confused by the structure here. Because all these other ones have said, if this happens, do this. If this happens, do this. If this happens, do this. This one kind of like, if this happens, then this happens, do this. Like you see the double? So I think it connects those. Give to everyone who begs from you. And for the one 
the, the beggar, who it turns out to be a taker. Isn't that the exact part? You're like, if I had met a true beggar that was in true need, I'd give to him. I know some of you are thinking that. Like, if I met a true beggar that has true need, I would give to him. But this verse, if I'm understanding this correctly, says, what about the one that comes across that way, but you find out they're a taker? You ever had that happen? (laughs) A lot. (laughs) Right? The word beg ought to be translated ask, and some of your versions say that, ask. I'm going to share a quote. I'm going to be completely honest with you, and I'm going to say two things before I put this quote up here. Um, One is this. Uh, On Wednesday night this week, instead of doing this psalm, I'd I'd been thinking about this earlier in the week. Instead of doing our next psalm, I'm I'm going to do, we used to do what we called second look, where we just took a second look at this passage. And so this Wednesday, I'm going to do a second look at this because there are so many parts of this. I go, wait a minute, what about, right? This is one of the whatabouts where I'm going to tell you right now, I don't have a problem admitting this in front of you. The, the ins and outs of this one, I don't know if I can fully grasp every single piece. I will say, if you get taken advantage of, I'd rather have that happen than to be so self-protective. I think that if there's nothing else I can take from this, if, if I'm going to err one direction or the other, When I stand before God, I'd rather have erred a thousand times over in being too generous than too careful. Philip Ryken has some insight on this, and he's talking about this from this ask perspective, that the word beg is not just begging, but but specifically asking for something specific. Um, He says, Jesus was not talking about giving money to panhandlers or to people who will use it for uh, an, an evil purpose, but about people with legitimate material needs. So he, he kind of works that in. But I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know, I'm not for sure if I totally agree with Philip Reichen. I think that there's still some room in there for like, I don't know if this is a legitimate need. This person says it is. I'm going to give him a chance. Here you go. If they end up taking advantage of me, I'm not going to demand it back. Isn't that what the passage said? But he says... Um, we should give them whatever they need without demanding anything in return. I don't know. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't, I'm, I'm working through this in my head. On Wednesday night, this is one of the ones I'd like to take a look at. Like, what, 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 really? How much investigation do I need to do into a person to figure out before I can really give something to them? I don't see in this verse a whole lot of investigation. I see something different. And so I'm going to put it this way. For the beggars. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I, I should start at the beginning. That's what I've been doing every time. For enemies. For haters. For the cursors. For the abusers. For the strikers. For the takers. For the beggars. Free pass. And I have in small print there. For the beggars who are fakers and actually takers. Free pass. <laughs> I want to do that. I want to do those last two one more time. For the beggars, for the beggars who are fakers and actually takers. All right, I'm about done. Uh, everything else here is summary. Starting with this simple. Th- this is 
This is theology on a three-by-five card summary. What, what's, what's this called? The what? The golden rule. When all else fails, you're trying to figure out, what do I do? What you wish that others would do for you, that's what you do. You ever wish people give you one more chance? Give them another chance. Don't say that you wouldn't, because every single one of you, no matter how many times you've messed up, you've gone to God multiple times, more times than you can count, and said, God, give me another chance. Christ closes this portion, and I'm going to close with this to show you the radical nature of what we're talking about here. I mean, if you really want to be a follower of Christ, it's, diff- it's not the same. This is not like good. the good of the world doesn't come close to this. If you love those who love you, and I'm just going to read through the ra- rest of this because of the sake of time. And like I said, we're going to talk more about this Wednesday. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you, if you go, I'm only going to love the people who are going to show me love in return, uh, that's my rule. You're not a follower of Jesus. See, everybody, anybody can do that. That's what Jesus is saying here. Well, if you only do good, I, hey, I do good things. People do good for me, I'll do good for them. So what? You're not a follower of Jesus. The world does that kind of stuff. You really want to be a follower of Jesus? Sure. Remember earlier, you're like, I think everybody should be a follower of Jesus. I wish they'd all get on board with following Jesus. Well, what about you? Are you going to get on board with following Jesus? Really? Ooh, this one's going to hurt some of you. If you lend to those from who you expect to receive. Like Jesus says, what credit? <laughs> what credit is that? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount with a little bit of interest. If you only go, hey, I got, I got some funds. I'm going to lend it to be, if I know, if I can trust you, you make sure you get it back to me, I'm gonna, then I will lend to you. That's not Jesus follower type talk. Jesus followers go, there are people I will lend to even if I, I have no idea if I'm ever going to get it back. I'm just going to give. In fact, I'm not even going to expect to get anything back. Love your enemies. Do good. Lend expecting nothing in return. And my friends, your reward will be great. And you will show that you've got the spiritual DNA of God most high. You will show to this world that you are sons of the most high. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your father is merciful. I'm going to pray. After I'm done praying, we're going to dismiss. We're going to fellowship over some spaghetti. There's tons of food, my wife just said. Tons of food. 
please don't leave us. Eat some spaghetti. I want to encourage you to talk about this, this stuff. To, if nothing else, develop some questions. To, develop some what about questions. Well, what if, right? Because that's what, everybody's got a scenario. And if we're honest, we're all like trying to find the scenario where we don't have to do what Jesus says. Isn't that the truth? I, there, what, if, what about this one where then I wouldn't have to do what Jesus says to do? Bring those up. Bring those up. Get those questions. Maybe write them down. Wednesday, I want to talk. I want to talk about. It. Let's let's. I'm not saying I already have the answer. I'm saying some of them I may hear and go, "Ooh, that's a tough one." Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just uh, want to close today asking that you would help us to be followers of Jesus, to hear the teaching of Christ, and to take it to heart and try to live it out. Lord, I pray that you would give us wisdom, grant us wisdom to know how to do these things. But mostly, Lord, I ask for the courage to simply entrust ourselves to the great and righteous judge of the universe. And then just to simply do what you tell us to do. Leaving all outcomes in the hands of a gracious, merciful Heavenly Father. Pray for each person in this room. Lord, if there's areas that we have not been living these things out and loving our enemies, help us to do so. Help us to see those things, repent and, and turn to you and start living these things. Help us to be followers of Christ the way you've called us to be. In Christ's name, amen.